This show contains language that is unsuitable for children. Grant us love filled with good intention. May we find peace in the midst of ascension. We know what they make us, though they try to break us and say we love us, we love us. Welcome to Straight Vibes, No Chasers. Raw talk on coming out of the closet about our fears and why we're so hell-bent on resisting our highest good. This podcast focuses on the African-American experience concerning fear and our long-standing romance with mediocrity. You can follow and comment on the show topics on Instagram at SVNC underscore podcast or go to PennyMurray.com where you can also find out more about Dr. Murray's work, her book, Giving Myself Permission, and the African-American Council on Fear. Now, here's your host, Dr. Penny Murray. Hey, and welcome to Straight Vibes, No Chasers from Dallas, Texas. You know, uh, this is not my normal show. I'm, I'm calling this particular episode my sidebar conversation show. Uh, it's because I've, I've got some things on my heart and mind that I, I just, I need to talk about. Especially since we are at this threshold of, of a turbulent presidential election. I just, I have to get these things or speak what's on my mind and more so in my heart. Uh, Specifically during the 2016 presidential campaign election, the hook line Trump pitched to African-American voters repeatedly was vote for me. What the hell do you have to lose? Now we say hindsight is 2020. We usually say that in response to acknowledging that that we should have known something would would have happened or that we made a poor choice. Well, if anyone is unclear as to what we had to lose, let me remind you. In this year, 2020, thousands of lives have been lost to COVID. According to CBS News, 164 black people were murdered in the first eight months of 2020 by the police. Uh, And there was no remorse or legal penalty as a result of these murders. Uh, This report estimated that it was at least one black male or woman every week in that first eight months. And the numbers keep rising. Over 20 million jobs have been lost economic recession that is worse than that of the Great Depression in 1929. The stock market has crashed at least three or four times that I know of. Hundreds of Black-owned businesses were lost because they had three strikes against them. One, most of them were located in areas that were hardest hit by COVID. Second strike, they had less of a financial cushion. The third strike was that these small black businesses didn't have a, an established banking relationship, which put them at a disadvantage of getting loans under the emergency paycheck protection program. And by the time they did get access to the federal monies, many black businesses were already out of business or the money had been gobbled up and hoarded by big organizations. 2020 has given us a clear vision on what we have to lose. This election is crucial to the quality of life of minorities, especially African-Americans. The African-American community has been hardest hit by this government's administration's incompetence and corruption, and it will be the African-Americans' electorate votes that will be most denied. Don't become complacent, though. I'm your host, Dr. Penny Murray. 
2020 has been a, a crazy yet wonderful year. In my voting lifetime, I can't remember an entire year having such a profoundly blatant and painful effect on us as individuals and as a country. With its energy of clarity, 2020 has exposed so many vulnerabilities within this country. For instance, 2020 has exposed how the media's insatiable need for ratings made them vulnerable of being enablers in this government's criminalities. It's exposed the vulnerabilities in our antiquated law that are full of loopholes and ambiguities that actually contributed to the carrying out of this corrupt behavior. It also exposed the deep-seated darkness that remains at the root of this country and how vulnerable we are as individuals to be brainwashed in a way that we willingly align ourselves with the deepest darkness and we act against our own highest good. You know, it's often said that we cannot disregard or ignore the fundamental universal law of balance. And that law of balance always cautions us that you cannot cheat the scale that balances life for long. For in due time, balance will rectify itself. I always like to say, Karma's a bitch and she will not be denied. Accountability will eventually come due. So, you know, as I said uh, in an earlier episode, nothing can happen to us as individuals or as a country without our own consent. As I said, I'm not counting today's show as a regular episode. I just need to be on my soapbox for a minute because, uh, you know, I got some shit on my mind and I, I need to talk about it. But before I get to what's on my mind, <laughs> I got to do my two cents. I like to see this segment as my contribution to Black History 365. And since I live in Texas, I focus on the ancestors who contributed to developing this state. And in honor of Kamala Harris, I'm dedicating this episode to the women ancestors of politics. And today I honor teacher, suffragist, and civil rights activist Lula B. White. Let me give you a little background history on this. White women suffragist movement officially ended in 1920 when they, white women, won their right to vote. And while African-American women suffragists were instrumental in this achievement, they were still denied their right to vote. Uh, and if poll tax, literacy tests, grandfather clause, violence, economic in intimidation weren't enough, in 1923, Texas created an additional institutionalized barrier called the white primary. This allowed political parties to make their own rules for their primaries, which often disenfranchised most black and other minority voters. Historians of the women's voting rights movement uh, has noted that when African-American women suffragists ask the white national women's party for their assistance, the party's leadership's response was, since black women were discriminated against in the same ways of black men, their problem weren't a women's right issue, but a race issue. And on that, the white national woman's party felt no obligation to defend or to help the African-American women to vote. 
enter Lula B. White. Some say she was just what the doctor ordered for the state of Texas. Born in 1900 in Elmo, Texas, as Lula Bell Madison, she graduated from Prairie View College and later married Julius White. After nine years of public teaching, Ms. White resigned to fully commit to the Houston, Texas National NAACP. Now, just like Christia Adair, Lula B. White was a suffragist who rose up through the local Houston NAACP ranks to become an executive secretary. But like many African-American women, Ms. White felt dejected on several different levels, though. She felt there was a sense of rejection from, from mainstream society. Uh, the white women in the suffragist movement and the black men in the civil rights struggle. But unafraid to speak her mind to both blacks and whites alike, Miss White was known for um, her acid tongue. And she devoted most of her adult life to the struggles against Jim Crow in Texas. She campaigned for the right to vote, equal pay for equal work, uh, desegregation of public facilities, and she fought to end the Texas white primaries. White also led the movement that resulted in the Houston's city council passing an ordinance that would allow city hospitals to employ black doctors. She also helped to organize protests for African-American women to try on clothes in department stores. And she worked to integrate the taxicab companies. So Miss Lula B. White she was committed to activist work in the black community until she died in 1957. Ah, that's the lead-in music for the world according to Penny. Well, why is that playing so early? Because, as I said, this sidebar conversation is for my own sanity. And maybe it's, you know, to, to help me find some sense of clarity and speak truth um, to the anxieties, not the fears, but the anxieties that I am feeling. So uh, I, I'm on my soapbox because of things that are going on right here in Texas. For instance, dishonesty has defined this government administration for the last four years. Latino families are being separated at the Texas border and it has broken my heart. And I think about the children, all of the emotional trauma that those children will have to endure for a large portion of their lives. I'm on my soapbox because Texas continuously attempting to throw out thousands of drop-off ballots, Trump supporters terrorizing a, a Biden tour bus in Texas and, and Trump himself applauding this behavior. The current acts of voter suppression, they mirror the 1920s and another black man being murdered by police. I'm angry, y'all. I'm just, I'm angry. And when I first started this activist journey, I believed that the humane depravity of slavery and even more so Jim Crow only traumatized African-Americans' psychological DNA. However, as I have watched this clusterfuck play out over the last four years, excuse my language, I've realized that this the psychological DNA of white America is also gravely tormented. 
White Americans have clung to their ill-gotten white privilege to anesthetize the fact that in their bloodline flows the emotional traumas of their ancestors' barbaric acts against African Americans, Native Americans, and other ethnic and religious groups. White Americans can angrily assert that their ancestors didn't own slaves. I hear them people say this, white people say this to me all the time. So they feel like they owe no debt to African-Americans on its face. That statement might seem true at least. Yeah, I guess it makes them feel, feel better. But what they fail to consider is the decade of Jim Crow that gave every white person complete freedom to act maliciously against African-Americans with no consequence. White America has to grapple with the fact that within their psychological DNA, Trapped in their cellular memory is the emotional traumas of recurring physical and psychological actions of rape, terror, and murder exacted on an entire race of people for decades. The seeming chaos occurring in our society right now, it has a purpose. And I look back and I think about what President Obama, which was, who was then senator at that time, said in 2007. He said that the depths of discrimination against the black community existed long before Hurricane Katrina devastated New Orleans and the Gulf Coast. In his exact words, he said that the hurricane pulled the curtain back for all the world to see the bigotry in America. So if the incompetent handling of Hurricane Katrina pulled back the curtains, then the continued incompetence of handling COVID-19 has unearthed America's greatest filth. It slowed the world down to expose America's hypocrisy and its centuries of forced poverty, police brutality, and discrimination against the black and brown communities in this country. But let me go back and clarify this because I don't want y'all to, if you think that what's going on in America is just about calling white Americans out on their shit, you would be wrong. That's not how the universe does things. I have learned that when the universe steps in to recalibrate its rhythm, its vibrations, and to rebalance or to bring this universe into balance, everyone and everything is called into accountability. The universe is also calling African-Americans into accountability. And one such responsibility is knowing the universal law that nothing can happen to us as individuals or as a community without our own consent. And we must stand accountable about the roles that we have played or been playing in our own undoing. It's like the universe really is exposing all of this shit. It's urging many of us who have remained in the shadows to come out of hiding, roll up your sleeves and put some skin in the game. I had a, a coworker uh, was kind of upset last week about being defriended on Facebook because of her, her political position. Um, she is a long running uh, Republican and couldn't bring herself to vote for a Democrat. So a mutual friend of ours, that she follows on Facebook said that they were going to anybody who voted for Trump was voting against uh, that person's very quality of life. And anybody that was going to vote for Trump 
they were going to be defriended. And she was upset about that. And yeah, I get it. I get it because we're all asking ourselves. I know at least I am. How the hell did we get here? We're pissed off. We're angry, disgusted, and fed up of all this bullshit. Which reminds me, when I come into my uh, housing development, there's a house that's right there as you enter into our development that has three Trump flags flying. And one of them in the middle says, let's stop the bullshit. Vote for Trump. Are we serious? Okay. I, as I said, we're all pissed off. And personally, I'm me. I'm tired of a lot of shit, but this is not the time to just throw up our hands and say to hell with it or defriend people or even to say, what difference does it make? Everything makes a difference. You make a difference. And in the last four years, our country has been governed by people that have been operating at a a lower vibrational frequency level of consciousness than ever before. Everything that physically or energetically exists, whether it's a person, an object, an ideal, or a belief, all of it vibrates along a vibrational frequency scale. And our country has been governed by chaos, fear, apathy, anger, deceit, discrimination, insecurity, despair, and a whole list of other uh, beliefs and thoughts that are at the lower vibrational levels or vibrational energies. And while again, I can see both sides of the Facebook defriending kind of situation, the, there, there is an alternative view to this thing that we're facing. And even in all of my anger, I say this, instead of contributing or continuing to add to the lower energy vibrations, that we start the work of reversing the energy flow to a higher level. Yes, I think it's it's way past time to hold people accountable for what comes out of their mouths and what they do. But I also know that these types of scenarios are intense opportunities for each of us to be both students and teachers. Now, we could all see that America has some growing up and some healing to do. And maybe what we are currently experiencing are the beginnings of the growing pains of this country. And if you're experiencing the intense anger that I've been trying to sort through and others as well, about really what's going on in our country. And, and I'm, I've been trying to sort through it for weeks now. Uh, but as I come to this place, I realize that this anger uh, is actually a call to action. It's our inner fire being jump-started or ignited. And yes, while anger is a lower vibrational energy, if we are receptive to our divine allies, we can convert and elevate anger's energy to a higher level where it can ignite a fire of activism in us. When that happens, we don't want to smother it. We don't want to fear it. We want to use it. In the last few weeks, I've come to the conclusion that America is not perfect. It's some batshit crazy stuff we're going through right now. But our vote can help course correct America's future. It's a future that includes everyone. A future that recognizes the the valuable benefits in the diversity of ethnicity, thought, and creativity. It's a future that doesn't see African-Americans as demons that should be feared and destroyed. 
It's a future where all bear the financial responsibilities for this country and not just the middle class and working poor. It's a future that once again protects the elders of our society and values their wisdom instead of seeing them as a burden. It's a future that protects the innocence of our children. We can all attest to some batshit crazy stuff happening in our own lives, but we do what we can to correct that crazy shit and we grow from it. What I love about being a part of this 2020 experience is that it's shown evolution cannot be stopped or contained. No matter the shenanigans and the scandalous things this current governmental administration is willing to stoop to, to win a vote, the universe is already in motion and there's not a damn thing you can do to stop it. We recently lost the human embodiment of one who was able to convert his anger into a fire that fueled his activism. He fed it by staying in line and staying in the fight to ensure that fire burned bright. Even greater, he fanned the flames of others so they too could live in the brilliance of their fire. That person I'm talking about is John Lewis. He was an icon of liberty and power to both the African-American community and the political corridors. Now, he wasn't the only one, but he is the latest that we've lost. And in his op-ed that he left to be read after his death, there were four points that he made that resonated in the depths of my spirit. One of the points spoke uh, to an unconscious state of being that we all have to let go of. We have to evolve beyond it. And the other three conveyed what the ancestors and spirit are calling upon all of us to do. The first point that Lewis made was, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, in those days, fear constrained us like an imaginary prison and the troubling thoughts of the potential brutality that could be done to any one of us without cause were the bars that tried to keep us imprisoned. And what he was saying through fear and terror, they were trying to extinguish the fire within them that was calling for justice. For me, this reflects the mental shackles imposed upon the African-American psyche that began hundreds of years ago. But now, unfortunately, the residue of that imprisonment is too often self-imposed. It's much like the Willie Lynch letter really predicted that all you have to do is teach us the limitations and we in fact will be self-enforcing or we will enforce those limitations on ourselves. Yes, the laws were passed that said we were free, but while the letter of the law pinned that we were free, the spirit of the law held no integrity to honor those laws. And so here we are in 2020, the judicial system within this society and those who enforce it has once again made the metaphorical prison very real. But there is a counteraction working throughout the universe. And that counteraction is bringing balance to a system that has long been unbalanced. All around us, life is urging us to get off the sidelines, to remember that nothing can happen to us as individuals or a country without our own consent. The same is true for change. 
If change is ever going to happen, we have to give ourselves permission to get out of the way of evolution. And once we do that, it makes space for our manifest destiny. Energy is always in motion. Its movement is determined by a flow of endless choices. But keep in mind, inaction, denial, or avoidance are also choices. To remain silent, that's also a choice. The other three points that he conveyed uh, were messages of the self-work we all must do to bring about what I call a new holistic civil rights movement or civil rights energy. First point he made is he said, ordinary people with extraordinary vision can redeem the soul of America. Our obsessive need for a savior to come and save the day has never worked for us. Throughout our most critical periods in history of change and growth, the so-called everyday nobodies have always pushed against this society's limitations. The second thing Lewis brought forth that resonated with me was the truth does not change. And that is why the answers worked out long time ago can help us find solutions to our current challenges. America's growing pain and healing will be determined by its willingness to acknowledge and to take responsibility for its real history and then learn from it in a restorative way. The third point that that Lewis made was his call to action. I urge you to answer the highest calling of your heart and stand up for what you truly believe. So right here, right now, we all have a choice to make. If we want a life where we control the narrative to live our manifest destiny and to be a part of a larger story, then we have to stop denying the sovereignty and the truth of our divine power and the genius within us. Give your activist spirit permission to answer the call. Do what little you think you can do. But in doing that little, you'll be surprised what you are capable of doing when you elevate your vibrational frequency level of consciousness. You will be surprised. And as I said before, America is not perfect. But do we throw up our hands and let it go to hell? So the anger, the fire of activism that you see in the streets all across America is not rage or destruction, but is a rallying cry for evolution. I want you to remember something. You are never the victim of life. You are always a student of purpose. So what skill or higher consciousness are you learning? What task or message are you being prepared for? I appreciate you tuning in to another episode of Straight Vibes, No Chasers. And I certainly, certainly hope you will keep listening and grow with me in this journey. If you like the show and want to be a part of this holistic movement, then do me a favor. Leave me a comment or if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. Also, you can visit my website at pennymurray.com. Go to the podcast page and, and read the transcript of my closing thoughts. You can also find out more about my work there. So again, thanks for listening. And as always, I leave you with my closing assertion for your life. You are as spirit created you. You have the power and authority to manifest positive outcomes and the divine wisdom to create meaningful change. 
So give yourself permission to trust, live, create, and speak your life's truth. Ashe. You've been listening to Straight Vibes, No Chasers, with Dr. Penny Murray. Listen and subscribe to our podcast from your mobile device with your favorite podcast app. If you have any questions, topic ideas, comments, or want to invite Dr. Murray to speak at your next event, go to contact us at pennymurray.com. If you're in the North Dallas, Texas area, we invite you to become a member of the Inner Wellness Community by taking part of the African American Council on Fear.